You're listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with my husband, Steve Worsley, the toxic mold expert and your number one source for mold consulting and mitigation in the USA. Here is episode 13, Mold in Schools or at Work. Before we get started on this episode, a short or not so short disclaimer. While all attempts have been made to verify the content provided in this podcast, neither the podcaster or the producers assume any responsibility for errors, omissions, or alternative interpretations of the issues discussed herein. All information stated in this podcast is the opinion of Steve Worsley. Steve Worsley is a mold specialist with over 20 years of experience in the construction and mold industry. The Toxic Mold Podcast is for information sharing purposes only. The views expressed are those of the podcaster and his alone. These views should not be taken as expert instruction or commands. While there may be references to medical conditions and symptoms, all solo podcast episodes are the opinion of Steve Worsley, and any medical questions or concerns shall be addressed with the appropriate licensed medical professional or professionals. As the podcaster refers to different mold types, please be aware that Steve Worsley is not a microbiologist, and questions concerning mold specifics should be answered by the appropriate professional. The listener is 100% responsible for his or her own actions. You can check out Steve's books on Amazon about mold and dealing with mold in your home at amazon.com forward slash author forward slash Steve Worsley. And if you're interested in scheduling a mold consultation over the phone consultation with Steve, you can be sure to find out more about those and his availability at cnccontractorservices.com. Now, let's get to the episode. of the Toxic Mold Podcast, episode 13. We are talking about mold in schools or at work. So Steve, how do people even know whether the mold exposure they're having is in their home, at school, or like what are the things that tell them? For the most part, if let's just say over the weekend you're feeling fine or since it's August, you know, kids are out of school and over the weekend, you feel fine and you're at home, and then you go back to school or work, and then you feel sick again. Uh, that would be an indicator that may, maybe the school or your workplace is what's exposing the mold to you. During the week, it might be difficult for the simple fact that the mold sickness symptoms, such as headaches, runny eyes, stuffy nose, all the symptoms that we've covered... You could get you could get home and start experiencing that because of the exposure during the day, or the next morning you can wake up with with those symptoms. But it wasn't really what you were exposed to at home. It's just a delayed reaction by your body. So it's the the best the best way to gauge it is like if kids are out of school for summer or they're on spring break, winter break, whatever it is, or if if it's a workplace over the weekend you feel fine. Or maybe even if you're having delayed uh, mold sickness symptoms, you might feel cruddy on Saturday because of what you're exposed to on Friday at work or school. But then Sunday you feel fine. So your body's kind of rebounded from it. Is that why it's important? And I know you said this in one of your books, but is that why it's important to keep a journal, sort of a log of your symptoms and what's going on and where you've been? 
just right. so you can look over a period of time to see where it's coming from. Exactly. And I know we've talked about it before. Um, well, I can't remember if it was a podcast or in one of the books, but one thing you could control and test without trying to get approval is the quality, air quality in your home. So as a mold inspector, if we come in and you have a journal and then we run air tests and we look at what the results are, as a mold expert, you can kind of try to pin it down as far as to where it's at when it's happening. But when it comes to school or work, it's a little tougher to just run in and run an air test because they're probably not going to let you. How long would you suggest that somebody keep a journal for in terms of trying to figure out, pinpoint it? Let's say you have an adult who works at a school or works at a certain place, but then also goes to school. Or How, how long should they keep the journal? I guess I'm not sure exactly what you're answering, but you want to keep that journal until you figure out or until you know you're not sick anymore. Is that okay. what you're asking? Yeah, no, that okay. makes sense. I would okay. think, yeah, because if I think about it, you talk about kids being out of school for the summer. One way somebody who's worried about mold at work might be able to tell it, in my mind, is if they go on a two-week vacation to Hawaii, let's say, and they're not at work for two weeks. But they'd want to have a journal of all of their symptoms for the month before that or the two months before that and then keep track of symptoms while they're on vacation and then track more symptoms when they come back to really pinpoint right it, what and it i guess is. what i meant by as long as you're experiencing the symptoms even so when you're not if you're away from home for those two weeks obviously you want to have that in your journal that went left for hawaii on this date came back on this date the first couple days I had these symptoms, didn't experience any of those symptoms until a couple days after we got back home. That would tell us that something here on the mainland, and something they're being exposed to, whether it's homework, their car, um, people that are going to college. So, so, so yeah, so I, that makes more sense what you were asking is you want to keep a journal of everything. And so... By me saying, when you have the symptoms, also, when you don't have symptoms, keep note of that. And it could be, and that's why we have a journal, I mean, it could be food you're eating. It's just, it's, mold is so hard to pin down, but keeping a journal, even when you're not having symptoms, really helps us out, and it will help your doctor out, too. Absolutely. So, let's say somebody does know that they're definitely being exposed to mold at work or at school. What's the next thing that they should do? Well, to, to in, in the way they would know that for sure is they would visibly see it. Okay. So, that's how you know. And this is where it gets really tricky because... You, you probably, first and foremost, if it's the workplace... You want to talk to your coworkers that you trust that you don't think are going to run to the boss and say, you know, Cassandra thinks that she's sick here because of mold. Um, you don't want to cause anything that obviously would endanger your job. But on the other hand, getting talking to other people or even noticing their symptoms, you can say to that person, you know, you can say to Samantha, like, hey, I notice you're like you you really are coughing a lot or you have a runny nose all the time while you're here. Like, do you have a cold? And she says, no, I just, I don't know what it is. Then you have somebody that can back up what your, what your concerns are. But on the other hand, do keep in mind, you might be the only one having 
the negative health effects from the mold. So at that point, you do need to obviously go to your supervisor, whoever above you that you trust, and just say, hey, there's visible mold over there. Are you guys aware of it? And if they are, you know how your companies ran and fill them out and see how they're going to address it. At the end of the day, though, you cannot force them to do anything. The only way you can really force a company into something is if it's a public place like a school, a supermarket, a restaurant, a quick shop. At that point, if it's visible, you can go to the Department of Health and they're going to they're gonna push them into doing something. But if, let's say, you're in our shop at CNC and there's visible mold and I say, no, that's not mold, that's just discoloration. You can't force me as an employee. You can't force me to run air tests. Does that make sense? It does. It, make it's sense. it's a tough it's a tough road to go, especially in a private workplace. So, if you work, let's say you work at the supermarket, then you have a little more leeway. But if you work for the accounting firm, there's you don't have a whole lot of leverage that you can use. What advice would you give to people? Because you mentioned a couple of things. You, you talked about the fact that you might be having adverse physical symptoms to the mold at work, but your coworker is not. And I know in your books, you talk a lot about you might have three children and there's mold in the home and one child gets really sick from it, but the other two don't. How do you handle or how do you suggest people handle when maybe they are the only one who's getting sick from mold in their office and they've gone to their manager and their manager poo-poos it away. I mean, what advice would you give them in terms of their next steps to handle the issue for their health? As I said before, it's a really sticky situation and I'm very careful of not. And when I advise my clients, I and I say it in the books, I'm not a medical doctor, I'm not a lawyer, so... The advice I'm giving you is my opinion. It's not legal advice. It's very difficult. And, and, and just like we talk about all the time, mold's so complex. And even when it comes to these kinds of things, it's a very difficult situation that you're in if you're the employee and you're the only one that's sick. I mean, depending on who you work with, you could be accused of you're just a hypochondriac or whatnot. A lot of it just depends on the environment, your supervisors, the company. And at the end of the day, you can't really push the issue. Once again, documentation is your best friend. As you've seen with mold, I when I go do a bid, I write all everything down. I measure everything. Uh, on mold mitigation jobs, we take hundreds of pictures. So it's for us, it's to cover our butts. Do the same as an employee. But at the end of the day, it's no different than what I say to people. If you're renters, if you're homeowners, if you're sick and we can show that it's because of the mold, you need to vacate the property immediately and then have it mitigated. And it's the same thing with a job. I mean, I know it's not easy to just tell somebody, well, just go quit your job. But on the other hand, I, I love to say this, what's your health worth? You could be experiencing, it could be a toxic mold that you're going to have permanent negative health effects from. So at the end of the day, if they're not going to do anything, most people don't want to hire a lawyer. You can go down that road. But at the end of the day, I would just say you need to find another job. I know it's not easy, but that's... That's the reality. Yeah. 
And on the flip side, how what do you suggest to parents who suspect that there's mold in their child's school? I've seen a lot of articles lately about schools that have there have been complaints about mold, but literally they got to a point where they had to force them to shut down to handle the mold issue. So if you're a parent and you feel like your child is at a school that is filled with mold that's in affecting the child, what do you suggest they do from your opinion? So I'll touch on two things. A lot of the articles we typically see or that I see are uh, when it comes to school, it's usually universities that have dorms. Um, so in that situation, it's a lot easier. Um, you know, and I've actually done it. I've had parents call me and they say, yeah, we're going to, you know, they live in Colorado and they say, well, my daughter's renting this place. We can't, she can't afford to hire you, but we can, can you go in and do air testing? Well, if they're renters or if it's a dorm, that's easy. Um, but if it is the actual classroom, the best thing to do with that is, you know, parent teacher conferences or depending on the age of your child, wherever they think they're being exposed to, it's not that tough for, let's say they're having a graduation party or whatever, uh, that the schools do you indiscreetly try to obviously see what your child's telling you about and then see if there's water stains, see if there's visible mold, try to take a picture. There's not much they can do to prevent you from taking pictures. But at, at that point, once you can identify it, then obviously you need to go either to the teacher or to the principal. And once that's done, once again, this is what people, and we're in a day and age with everything can be time stamped, but document everything, you know, the best, my best advice would be, and I tell my renters or not my renters, but when I have clients that are renters, send stuff via text, send stuff via email. That way you have a paper trail, but go to the principal. If he poo-poos it, then he, he more or less has taken on the liability of not addressing the situation. At that point, once again, if your child is that sick, pull them out of that school. But if you can't, then you go to that superintendent. You can go. That's the luxury of a school uh, versus like, your workplace. It's a public school. Even if it's a private university, you go to whoever you have to go to, even if it's a private school. But that's a lot easier to have addressed than a workplace. Because in your workplace, they don't really want to do anything. And I I, I think I've told you this story. Uh, when I lived in another town, I went to the principal of one of the schools that my boy was going to and asked him if we could do radon testing. And I thought it was going to be a good thing. And I thought he'd be really receptive to that and be like, oh, sure. And he looked right at me and said, yeah, no. And I said, why? And he said, because once we know, then we have to address it. So that is the problem you will run into with schools. They're not just going to, they're not just going to let, let's just say the parent of the child can't just call me and say, Hey, I'm going to pay for the air testing to go air test at the school. The school's not going to allow you to do that. So there are going to be hurdles or whatnot. But once again, go back to how much is your child's health worth? And it, the, the, the school though, and this is where, this is where you can educate your children. You know, if you, if you think they're having an issue, you ask them, say, well, you know, look around and see what water stains are. Google water stains and show them to your, your child and say, and then show them pictures of mold. 
and not massive mold infestations, but show them that stuff so they can kind of do the investigating before you get there. Exactly. So what is your, what is your suggestion as a, a takeaway from this episode? What should individuals be doing if they have concerns about mold in school or at work? Just like we always cover, keep a journal. That's, that's going to be your best friend. Um, I know on the iPhones, there's that notes app that if, however you do it, just keep a journal. Obviously pay attention situational awareness if you think you're being sick at work or exposed to something start looking for water stains start noticing a moldy smell uh at work it could be in the bathroom it could be anywhere at school it could be in the gym it could be in the classroom um determine where you spend your most time and that's probably going to be the area that you're being exposed to but it's really easy to just look up most uh businesses have the acoustical ceiling tiles, so it's just tiles that you just pop out. And what they do is, and I've seen it in schools, they wait till the water stain gets bad enough, and then the janitor goes up on the roof and fixes the issue, and then they just pop that tile out and put a new one in. And, you know, at the end of the day, there could be mold spores all over in the in the ceiling area. And so just pay attention. Situational awareness is your best friend. Awesome. All right, everybody. Well, you heard it from the expert. We will catch you on the next episode of the Toxic Mold Podcast. Prevent toxic mold exposure before it gets in your home. Download Steve's free mold investigation checklist at tinyurl.com forward slash CNC mold checklist. Again, download Steve's free mold investigation checklist at tinyurl.com forward slash CNC mold checklist.